show, everyone. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And this week we're doing a live reading of Chapter 18 of Breaking Dawn. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's good? I feel like we didn't, we normally have like a longer chat beforehand and this time we didn't. Yeah, it's, it feels a little weird. I like the last time I saw you was last Tuesday. Yeah, I've, I feel like I'm all business today because I just, I've gotten a lot of messages looking forward to slash dreading this day. So <laughs> I don't know. I just like don't know what else to say. Like from pe- from listeners, from people we know. Both. <laughs> I um I was telling I hung out with my old roommate Liddy yesterday. It was either yesterday slash this weekend or this morning. I don't know. It was sometime recently. And I mentioned that this particular recording, we were doing something that we had never done before and we were recording my reaction live. And Liddy was like, like, what part of the book are you at? And I kind of described where we were and she was like, so is that clip going to only be available for patrons or is there some way I can get that? Apparently she knows what it is. And she's like, Ask Emily if I can have the clip. I need the clip. <laughs> she can have the clip. That I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good segue. So as I kind of mentioned last week, it'll be on our Patreon. Um, probably already be on there by the time y'all are hearing this. Yeah, definitely will be. And then I'm also uploading it to YouTube with a unlisted link that we can send to those of you who are donors but not patrons. So message us on any of the platforms for that and we will send it to you so that you can look at it too. It's just going to be a small portion of today's recording. And then while I'm on the housekeeping subject, I'm also going to be recording on my phone like I did for the last live reading. So listeners, you will notice a difference in that the reading will be very clear because I'm recording with my phone that's sitting right next to me. But um, we're also recording at the same time with Paige, so you will not miss anything that Paige says. I I don't have any follow-ups. I put eyeliner on for this, so for everyone who's going to see me, this is what I look like. I know you're not going to see this part, but you'll see. You'll see. Um, also tonight, if you're listening to this uh, this episode on release day, is our Breaking Dawn watch party Breaking down part one, watch party with patrons and donors. We are starting at 6 p.m. Mountain Time sharp. So we suggest that you come to the Discord five to ten minutes early. We'll be there and you'll have to get your own copy of Breaking Dawn, either DVD or rent it on YouTube. Just rent whatever the regular version is, because I know last time we were like, is it the extended? Is it just get whatever the most regular option is? And we will be hitting play at precisely 6 p.m. And we're looking forward to seeing all of you. For us, it's a week away, but I'm excited. It'll be so much fun. I really have been enjoying the movies, so I feel like this movie is going to be a roller coaster. Yes. It's weird because it's like, I don't know. I feel like all of Bella's part is like mostly exposition, but yeah, I don't know. It's still good. What would you consider Jacob's part? Drama? Yeah. Rising action, I guess. Conflict. I also just wanted to interject really quick and say thank you to everyone who wished me good luck and congratulatory messages of joy and holy crow of me passing my board exams. I did it for you guys. I also did it for me, but I did it for you guys too. And I'm very appreciative and so thankful. And 
getting out of the exams and posting on Instagram. And while I was driving home from Denver, hearing all the beep bops on the phone of people responding really did make me happy. So thank you. We do have the best little group of community with this podcast and we love you guys. I'm the yellow heart emoji. I'm sending the yellow heart emoji out. If you ever get a yellow heart on Instagram, that's me. All right. Fair enough. Um, Let's hit a quick recommendations corner before we get into the live reading. Do you want me to go first? I have mine, so. Go for it. Okay, so I was recently having a discussion with boyfriend of the pod, Danny, and we were talking about a certain drink, and he was like, I don't see why you wouldn't like it. I'd never tried this drink before, and I think the reason I hadn't tried it is my own internalized misogyny, and I decided to break free from that. And I tried a pumpkin spice latte for the first time. And I'm sorry, but if you like pumpkin pie, you will like this. It literally just tastes like liquid pumpkin pie. And I love pumpkin pie. So if that's a treat that you enjoy and you're holding yourself back from trying it due to stigma or just people being rude about people enjoying pumpkin spice spice lattes, just know that I think that they're good. I I, I had one to try and I've gotten another one to enjoy. So, you know. I recommend. I get mine with oat milk, you know, a girly gotta do. So that's what I recommend. I love that. I feel like it's a good metaphor for our podcast because I feel like Twilight is the PSL of literature. <laughs> that is astute. And it also reminds me of a story that I've been meaning to tell. I just keep forgetting. I can tell it after your recommendation. Okay. Okay. Um, I will say I don't really like pumpkin pie. But I do still like pumpkin spice lattes. I think it's, I don't even know why I'm saying this. No one cares. But I think it's the texture of pumpkin pie that I don't like. It's gross to me. But the flavor's good. It is very, like, soft. And I feel like mushy is a bad word. But I want my pie to be um, disintegrating in my mouth. (laughs) I feel like mushy was an accurate word. I, I feel like it has a negative connotation. And it's true, but I don't want it to sound negative. Okay, fair enough. Um, Okay, so my recommendation is a little bit woo-woo. I apologize. But also I feel like maybe it's accurate for what's going to be going down today. So I think I brought this up last episode, but maybe not. But I got back into therapy after being on a waiting list for a while. And my therapist has been working with me on this breathing technique called box breathing. And as someone with anxiety, it has really helped me. Have you heard of this page? I've not heard of it. Okay, so... Um, they call it box breathing because you inhale for four seconds. So that's like one side of the box, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, and then hold for another four seconds. So it draws a box. I mean, that's kind of abstract, but I, she suggested that I do it in times when I'm really stressed out and it has actually really helped me and I really like it. I'm going to take that to heart. I'm going to store that away in my mental box for future use. In your little toolbox, that's what it's all about, baby. Mm -hmm. I will say, I hear a dirty, no-good slut doing lawn work approaching my window. The lawnmowers have already gone by, so I know it's not the lawnmower, but I think it's just someone that's coming to do, like, the edges, like the weeds. So I can hear them. If you start to hear them, let me know. Okay, I will. I don't at the moment. Okay, good. Okay, what's your story? So... There, this, this made me have an existential crisis at a, um, red, like a stoplight 
I think I was thinking too much into it. I may have also smoked some weed. I don't know. But whatever it was, my brain like remembered this memory and was like, holy crap, I will get into that. In, I believe it was eighth grade, it could have been seventh grade. When did Twilight, the movie, come out for us grade-wise? Uh, well, I think it came out in November 2008. So I think we would have actually been in sixth grade? 2008, 2009? No, seventh grade. Fall, first semester, seventh grade. In seventh grade, my best friend at the time and I, we had made plans it was a Friday night. We were probably doing a sleepover. We were going to go see a movie um, at the movie theater near the uh, the mall, if you can picture it. And we get to the movie theater and we were fully planning on seeing Twilight. She was like, Paige, you're going to love it. I've already seen it. You're going to love it. We got to see it. And I was like, I'm I'm down, you know, like, I don't really know much about it, but I hear it's good. I hear people are liking it. Like, I'll see it. And we get to the movie theater and the tickets were all sold out. This was before the days of online ordering. So tickets are all sold out. We're like, damn, okay, well, I mean, we're already here. We couldn't drive. So we were stuck there. We had to see another movie that was playing at a similar time. So we ended up seeing Dear John instead, which at the, which was then I was like, I love this movie. Super great. Love it. Had one had two people not gone to see that movie that night this podcast might not exist at least the complete at least the 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 idea of this podcast would not exist i feel like the whole podcast wouldn't exist i feel like you're right that's wild yeah so and it was like right after that that's when twilight got all the hate and i was like i can't see it in fear of being judged i can't and i can't engage with that content so like, I really, like, I'm that pivotal night made this podcast a reality. Thank you to those random strangers who bought all those tickets and prevented Paige from seeing it. Yeah, I what was happening at the red light, you can cut this out. This might just be for you. But I was like, holy crap, think about the ripples that that caused in the world. Like, if if two people had decided to do something else, the people who enjoy their Tuesday mornings, whose days are affected a little bit by this podcast, it would be completely different. The people that they talk to might be affected differently because their attitudes might be different. Or the things that I might be doing might be different because my Tuesday nights are affected and I might be doing something else. Who knows? The world, it made me feel like time travel cannot exist. I was getting really like into my head about things, but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> no, totally. I'm leaving that in because one of us might be dead. You never know. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that, was a, that was a dark direction to take it in, but it also warmed my heart a little bit that I was like, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was getting real into my thoughts at the stoplight, so I hope you all enjoyed it. I feel like you were definitely high. <laughs> I think it was residual. It may have been coming home from Liddy's house, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, do you have any final thoughts before we jump in? I don't have my book with me. I'm just going to be listening, not following along. That's my only thought. Okay, and I will say that I did read it, and I took some notes 
just like five or six to discuss afterwards. So um, there are no really good stopping points. It's only 13 pages long. So we're just going to do it. Okay. Okay. All right. We're doing it, Tim. Chapter 18. There are no words for this. Bella's body, streaming with red, started to twitch, jerking around in Rosalie's arms like she was being electrocuted. All the while, her face was blank, unconscious. It was the wild thrashing from inside the center of her body that moved her. As she convulsed, sharp snaps and cracks kept time with the spasms. Rosalie and Edward were frozen for the shortest half second, and then they broke. Rosalie whipped Bella's body into her arms, and, shouting so fast it was hard to separate the individual words, she and Edward shot up the staircase to the second floor. I sprinted after them. Morphine, Edward yelled at Rosalie. Alice, get Carlisle on the phone, Rosalie screeched. The room I followed them to looked like an emergency ward set up in the middle of a library. The lights were brilliant and white. Bella was on a table under the glare, skin ghostly in the spotlight. Her body flopped, a fish on the sand. Rosalie pinned Bella down, yanking and ripping her clothes out of the way, while Edward stabbed a syringe into her arm. How many times had I imagined her naked? Now I couldn't look. I was afraid to have these memories in my head. What's happening, Edward? He's suffocating. The placenta must have detached. Somewhere in this, Bella came around. She responded to their words with a shriek that clawed at my eardrums. Get him out, she screamed. He can't breathe. Do it now. I saw the red spots pop out when her scream broke the blood vessels in her eyes. That would that would be what the kids call a petechial hemorrhage. It's an extravascular disorder. Thank you for filling us in. P.S. I passed my board exams. <laughs> hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? Sorry to interrupt. I was just like, hey, I know that. <laughs> I know what that is. That's okay. The morphine, Edward growled. No, now. Another gush of blood choked off what she was shrieking. He held her head up, desperately trying to clear her mouth so that she could breathe again. Alice darted into the room and clipped a little blue earpiece under Rosalie's hair. Then Alice backed away, her gold eyes wide and burning, while Rosalie hissed frantically into the phone. In the bright light, Bella's skin seemed more purple and black than it was white. Deep red was seeping beneath the skin over the huge, shuddering bulge of her stomach. Rosalie's hand came up with a scalpel. Let the morphine spread, Edward shouted at her. There's no time, Rosalie hissed. He's dying. Her hand came down on Bella's stomach, and vivid red spouted out from where she pierced the skin. It was like a bucket being turned over, a faucet twisted to full. Bella jerked, but didn't scream. She was still choking. And then Rosalie lost her focus. I saw the expression on her face shift, saw her lips pull back from her teeth, and her black eyes glint with thirst. No, Rose, Edward roared, but his hands were trapped, trying to prop Bella upright so she could breathe. I launched myself at Rosalie, jumping across the table without bothering to phase. As I hit her stone body, knocking her toward the door, I felt the scalpel in her hand stab deep into my left arm. My right arm smashed against her face, locking her jaw and blocking her airways. I used my grip on Rosalie's face to swing her body out so that I could land a solid kick in her gut. It was like kicking concrete. She flew into the doorframe, buckling one side of it. The little speaker in her ear crackled into pieces. Then Alice was there, yanking her by the throat to get her into the hall. 
And I had to give it to Blondie. She didn't put up an ounce of fight. She wanted us to win. She let me trash her like that to save Bella. Well, to save the thing. I ripped the blade out of my arm. Alice, get her out of here, Edward shouted. Take her to Jasper and keep her there. Jacob, I need you. I didn't watch Alice finish the job. I wheeled back to the operating table where Bella was turning blue, her eyes wide and staring. CPR, Edward growled at me, fast and demanding. Yes. I judged his face swiftly, looking for any sign that he was going to react like Rosalie. There was nothing but single-minded ferocity. Get her breathing. I've got to get him out before. Another shattering crack inside her body, the loudest yet, so loud that we both froze in shock waiting for her answering shriek. Nothing. Her legs, which had been curled up in agony, now went limp, sprawling out in an unnatural way. Her spine, he choked in horror. Get it out of her, I snarled, flinging the scalpel at him. She won't feel anything now. And then I bent over her head. Her mouth looked clear, so I pressed mine to hers and blew a lungful of air into it. I felt her twitching body expand, so there was nothing blocking her throat. Her lips tasted like blood. I could hear her heart thumping unevenly. Keep it going, I thought fiercely at her, blowing another gust of air into her body. You promised. Keep your heart beating. I heard the soft, wet sound of the scalpel, ac scalpel across her stomach, more blood dripping to the floor. The next sound jolted through me, unexpected, terrifying, like metal being shredded apart. The sound brought back the fight in the clearing so many months ago, the tearing sound of the newborns being ripped apart. I glanced over to see Edward's face pressed against the bulge. Vampire teeth, a surefire way to cut through vampire skin. I shuddered as I blew more air into Bella. She coughed back at me, her eyes blinking, rolling blindly. You stay with me now, Bella, I yelled at her. Do you hear me? Stay. You're not leaving me. Keep your heart beating. Her eyes wheeled, looking for me or him, but seeing nothing. I stared into them anyway, keeping my gaze locked there. And then her body was suddenly still under my hands, though her breathing picked up roughly and her heart continued to thud. I realized the stillness meant that it was over. The internal beating was over. It must be out of her. It was. Edward whispered, Renesme. So Bella had been wrong. It wasn't the boy she'd imagined. No big surprise there. What hadn't she been wrong about? I didn't look away from her red-spotted eyes, but I felt her hands lift weakly. Let me, she croaked in a broken whisper, give her to me. I guess I should have known that he would always give her what she wanted, no matter how stupid her request might be. But I didn't dream he would listen to her now, so I didn't think to stop him. Something warm touched my arm. That right there should have caught my attention. Nothing felt warm to me. But I couldn't look away from Bella's face. She blinked and then stared, finally seeing something. She moaned out a strange, weak croon. Renez May, so beautiful. And then she gasped, gasped in pain. By the time I looked, it was too late. Edward had snatched the warm, bloody thing out of her limp arms. My eyes flickered across her skin. It was red with blood, the blood that had flowed from her mouth, the blood smeared all over the creature, and fresh blood welling out of a tiny double crescent bite mark just over her left breast. No, Renesme, Edward murmured like he was teaching the monster manners. I didn't look at him or it. I watched only Bella as her eyes rolled back into her head. With a last dull galump, her heart faltered and went silent. 
She missed maybe half of one beat, and then my hands were on her chest, doing compressions. I counted in my head, trying to keep the rhythm steady. One, two, three, four. Breaking away for a second, I blew another lungful of air into her. I couldn't see anymore. My eyes were wet and blurry, but I was hyper aware of the sounds in the room. The unwilling glug-glug of her heart under my demanding hands, the pounding of my own heart, and another, a fluttering beat that was too fast, too light. I couldn't place it. I forced more air down Bella's throat. What are you waiting for? I choked out breathlessly, pumping her heart again. One, two, three, four. Take the baby, Edward said urgently. Throw it out the window. One, two, three, four. Gets me every time. Okay. Give her to me, a low voice chimed from the doorway. Edward and I snarled at the same time. One, two, three, four. I've got it under control, Rosalie promised. Give me the baby, Edward. I'll take care of her until Bella... I breathed, I breathed for Bella again while the exchange took place. The fluttering thumpa, thumpa, thumpa faded away with distance. Move your hands, Jacob. I looked up from Bella's white eyes, still pumping her heart for her. Edward had a syringe in his hand, all silver, like it was made from steel. What's that? His stone hand knocked mine out of the way. There was a tiny crunch as his blow broke my little finger. In the same second, he shoved the needle straight into her heart. My venom, he answered as he pushed the plunger down. I heard the jolt in her heart like he'd shocked her with paddles. Keep it moving, he ordered. His voice was ice, was dead, fierce and unthinking, like he was a machine. I ignored the healing ache in my finger and started pumping her heart again. It was harder, as if her blood was congealing there, thicker and slower. While I pushed the now viscous blood through her arteries, I watched what he was doing. It was like he was kissing her, brushing his lips at her throat, at her wrists, into the crease at the inside of her arm. But I could hear the lush tearing of her skin as his teeth bit through, again and again, forcing venom into her system at as many points as possible. I saw his pale tongue sweep along the bleeding gashes, but before this could make me either sick or angry, I realized what he was doing. Where his tongue washed the venom over her skin, it sealed shut, holding the poison and the blood inside her body. I blew more air into her mouth, but there was nothing there, just the lifeless rise of her chest in response. I kept pumping her heart, counting, while he worked maniacally over her, trying to put her back together. All the king's horses and all the king's men. But there was nothing there, just me, just him, working over a corpse. Because that's all that was left of the girl we both loved. This broken, bled out, mangled corpse. We couldn't put Bella together again. I knew it was too late. I knew she was dead. I knew it for sure because the pull was gone. I didn't feel any reason to be here beside her. She wasn't here anymore. So this body had no more draw for me. The senseless need to be near her had vanished. Or maybe moved was the better word. It seemed like I felt the pull from the opposite direction now. From down the stairs, out the door. The longing to get away from here and never ever come back. Go then, he snapped, and he hit my hands out of the way again, taking my place this time. Three fingers broken, it felt like. I straightened them numbly, not minding the throb of pain. He pushed her dead heart faster than I had. She's not dead, he growled. She's going to be fine. I wasn't sure he was talking to me anymore.
Turning away, leaving him with his dad, I walked slowly to the door. So slowly. I couldn't make my feet move faster. This was it then. The ocean of pain. The other shore so far away across the boiling water that I couldn't imagine it, much less see it. I felt empty again, now that I'd lost my purpose. Saving Bella had been my fight for so long now. And she wouldn't be saved. She'd willingly sacrifice herself to be torn, ap torn apart by that monster's young. And so the fight was lost. It was all over. I shuddered at the sound coming from behind me as I plodded down the stairs, the sound of a dead heart being forced to thud. I wanted to somehow pour bleach inside my head and let it fry my brain, to burn away the images left from Bella's final minutes. I'd take the brain damage if I could get rid of that. The screaming, the bleeding, the unbearable crunching and snapping as the newborn monster tore through her from the inside out. I wanted to sprint away, to take the stairs ten at a time and race out the door, but my feet were as heavy as iron and my body was more tired than it had ever been before. I shuffled down the stairs like a crippled old man. I rested at the bottom step, gathering my strength to get out the door. Rosalie was on the clean end of the white sofa, her back to me, cooing and murmuring to the blanket-wrapped thing in her arms. She must have heard me pause, but she ignored me, caught up in her moment of stolen motherhood. Maybe she would be happy now. Rosalie had what she wanted, and Bella would never come to take the creature from her. I wondered if that's what the poisonous blonde had been hoping for all along. She held something dark in her hands, and there was a greedy, sucking sound coming from the tiny murderer she held. The scent of blood in the air. Human blood. Rosalie was feeding it. Of course it would want blood. What else would you feed the kind of monster that would brutally mutilate its own mother? It might as well have been drinking Bella's blood. Maybe it was. My strength came back to me as I listened to the sound of the little executioner feeding. Strength and hate and heat. Red heat washing through my head, burning but erasing nothing. The images in my head were fuel, building up the inferno but refusing to be consumed. I felt the tremors rock me from head to toe, and I did not try to stop them. Rosalie was totally absorbed in the creature, paying no attention to me at all. She wouldn't be quick enough to stop me, distracted as she was. Sam had been right. The thing was an aberration. Its existence went against nature. A black, soulless demon. Something that had no right to be. Something that had to be destroyed. It seemed like the pull had not been leading to the door after all. I could feel it now, encouraging me, tugging me forward, pushing me to finish this, to cleanse the world of this abomination. Rosalie would try to kill me when the creature was dead, and I would fight back. I wasn't sure if I would have time to finish her before the others came to help. Maybe, maybe not. I didn't much care either way. I didn't care if the wolves, either set, avenged me or called the Cullens justice fair. None of that mattered. All I cared about was my own justice. My revenge. The thing that had killed Bella would not live another minute longer. If Bella had survived, she would have hated me for this. She would have wanted to kill me personally. But I didn't care. She didn't care what she had done to me, letting herself be slaughtered like an animal. Why should I take her feelings into account? And then there was Edward. He must be too busy now, too far gone in his insane denial, trying to reanimate a corpse, to listen to my plans. So I wouldn't get the chance to keep my promise to him, unless, and it was not a wager I'd put money on, I'd managed to win the fight against Rosalie, Jasper, and Alice, three on one. But even if I did win, I didn't think I had it in me to kill Edward. Because I didn't have enough compassion for that. Why should I let him get away from what he'd done? Wouldn't it be more fair 
more satisfying to let him live with nothing, nothing at all. It made me almost smile, as filled with hate as I was, to imagine it. No Bella, no killer spawn, and also missing as many members of his family as I was able to take down. Of course, he could probably put those back together since I wouldn't be around to burn them, unlike Bella, who would never be whole again. I wondered if the creature could be put back together. I doubted it. It was part Bella, too, so it must have inherited some of her vulnerability. I could hear that in the tiny, thrumming beat of its heart. Its heart was beating. Hers wasn't. Only a second had passed as I made these easy decisions. The trembling was getting tighter and faster. I I coiled myself, preparing to spring at the blonde vampire and rip the murderous thing from her arms with my teeth. Rosalie cooed at the creature again, setting the empty metal bottle thing aside and lifting the creature into the air to nuzzle her face against its cheek. Perfect. The new position was perfect for my strike. I leaned forward and felt the heat begin to change me while the pull toward the killer grew. It was stronger than I'd ever felt it before. So strong it reminded me of an alpha's command, like it would crush me if I didn't obey. This time I wanted to obey. The murderer stared past Rosalie's shoulder at me, its gaze more focused than any newborn creature's gaze should be. Warm brown eyes, the color of milk chocolate, the exact same color that Bella's had been. My shaking jerked to a stop. Heat flooded through me, stronger than before, but it was a new kind of heat, not a burning. It was a glowing. Everything inside me came undone as I stared at the tiny porcelain face of the half-vampire, half-human baby. All the lines that held me to my life were sliced apart in swift cuts, like clipping the strings to a bunch of balloons. Everything that made me who I was, my love for the dead girl upstairs, my love for my father, my loyalty to my new pack, the love for my other brothers, my hatred for my enemies, my home, my name, myself, disconnected from me in that second, snip, 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 and floated up into space. I was not left drifting. A new string held me where I was. Not one string, but a million. Not strings, but steel cables. A million steel cables all tying me to one thing, to the very center of the universe. I could see that now, how the universe swirled around this one point. I'd never seen the symmetry of the universe before, but now it was plain. The gravity of the earth no longer tied me to the place where I stood. It was the baby girl in the blonde vampire's arms that held me here now. Renesmee. From upstairs, there was a new sound the only sound that could touch me in this endless instant. A frantic pounding, a racing beat, a changing heart. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? Are you... Did he fucking imprint on this fucking baby, my dude? (laughs) I think that's what you're supposed to gather from that, yes. Why? I... (laughs) As soon as he said warm, when he was describing those eyes, you do not describe a normal baby with warm describing the eyes. As soon as I heard that word, I felt very bad inside, and it just kept getting worse and <laughs> She's fresh out of the fucking womb, dude. What the fuck? I'm done. I've had enough, Stephanie. I've had enough.
I feel like a message that Jacob sent me this morning sums it up perfectly. He said, Paige Chartier, I am so deeply sorry from the very bottom of my heart that you are so excited for things to work out between Jacob and Leah. God damn it! I really did! What the fuck is the rest of the book gonna be? What is this? What is this? I'm through. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I just said I'm through. (laughs) From the moment we started this podcast, I was afraid that you would get spoiled on this because this clownery is one of the biggest complaints about this book series. This came as, I would say, what's a a stronger word for shock? What is, what is it? I don't know. Disgust. I, I, what a fucking cliffhanger. This is how, this is how the movie's gonna end. This, this is gonna be the last scene. It's him looking into this baby's eyes and then there's heart, heart emojis in his eyes and it's gonna be like, breaking down part one. I can neither confirm nor deny. I'm, imagine, okay, I was this person for Harry Potter. Imagine you've read the books and you're going to the movies with a friend who has not read the books for Twilight. And so they've just been engaging in Twilight culture through the movies. That would be me. Imagine just going there and being like, watching your friend like, this is gonna be the worst fucking day of your life, bro. This has literally been me for the past month. Like everyone who's been messaging me, I'm like, she's gonna be gooped. <laughs> I am gooped. I put on eyeliner for this. God damn. Like I legitimately what's the is who's the next um section written about like by are you allowed to tell me it's back to bella Hmm. i who the fuck knows what's going on i literally have absolutely no predictions for what is to come literally no concept of anything else that has wiped my wiped my entire brain frontal cortex the cerebellum, the brain, brain stem, everything has been wiped clean. I am like that episode of SpongeBob where they've all of the SpongeBob's in his brain have thrown away everything, deleted all the computers, set things on fire. That's my brain right now. I have no thoughts for the future. <laughs> okay, let me see if I can direct a little bit. How do you think Bella and Edward are going to react to the news that Jacob imprinted on their child? I hope it's bad. I hope it's bad. I hope it's like I could totally see Bella being like okay, like she would love that. You know, like her daughter who she, whom she loves so much is going to love Jacob who she also loves so much. It might be weird. It might be weird sharing a love interest with your own daughter at one point. That could be weird. However, I could totally see her after like a period of time being like this is the best case scenario this is how i keep both edward and jacob in my life and you know i get everything and my beautiful daughter whom i love so much i don't think edward's gonna like it very much 
I will I will leave it at that. I don't think he's going to be a huge fan, given how negative Jacob's been about this fetus leading up to this moment. So it might take some convincing from Jacob's part to get it okay with the with the rents, you know. Up until the point where it turned, did you think he was going to, like, grab her and try and kill her? I thought that there was going to be, I honestly thought that one of the Cullens was going to die. Like, I thought that Rosalie was going to get killed. Like, he was going to jump on her, there was going to be this huge fight, and since everyone was distracted with Bella, that someone was going to be, like, brutally slain. So this came as quite a shock, because, like... There was all that leading up, and I, I don't know. I just felt like, who of the Cullens would Stephanie want it, would be fine with getting rid of? And I was like, probably Rosalie. And this is what a perfect opportunity to just get her out of the book. So that's honestly where I thought this was going. And I was like, this does warrant a live reaction because R- Rosalie deserves more justice than this. I was wrong. I was wrong on that. I just, I'll add one more horrible thing so that we're through it all. (laughs) There is fandom lore to suggest, and Stephanie has confirmed, that the entire time Jacob was attracted to Bella, it was because she held the egg of Renesmee in her body. I will say this. I will say this. I saw literally this morning on Tumblr a post that said, if that's true then why wasn't he also attracted to Edward's sperm? This is a very valid point. Very valid point that I will, I will retort with some science. I love, I love the lore that Jacob is somehow drawn to Edward as well as Bella. I think that would be hilarious. People who have eggs are born with all their eggs so you don't like develop more once you run out of eggs you're out of eggs people with sperm continue making sperm their entire lives and sperm has a lifespan so the sperm that was renesme did not exist in his body until probably like around the time of the honeymoon so that could explain that however i wish i, I wouldn't that just be a, a hoot if Jacob was like, I hate him, but I'm weirdly attracted to his crotch. I hate the whole concept. Thank you for explaining. That definitely clears that up for me. But I hate the the concept of that. I, I simply hate it. That's, it at least explains, I don't know if Stephanie's come out and said like, because I mean, I think she wants people to believe that they had a genuine relationship, which they did. Like a friendship at least. But she has at least stated that in this book, the reason that Jacob keeps coming back to the house is because of the fetus. I mean, I could see it. I could see it with how powerful this imprinting thing is. I could see there being, and with it being supernatural, I am, there were some things that floored me about this. One, that the baby's heart is beating. That means that it's not completely vampiric, which I'm excited to learn more about that. Um, two, that he would imprint on a vampire, at least a half a vampire, someone that his literal existence was created to get to destroy. Not necessarily his existence was that, but like that's kind of like why he's now a werewolf is to get rid of vampires. Like that's why it has been brought up in the 
the Quileute population in the reservation near Forks. So I'm a little I'm a little floored about those two things. Um, I'm excited to learn more. I don't know if ex excited is the right word. I'm interested to learn more, begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of trumps Billy's theory about like, wasn't it that they mate with people who give them the best like chance to mate more? I think it was for making the strongest werewolf, perhaps. I think that was Sam's. And then Billy's was like, whoever like is most likely to pass on the gene. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds right. And I am just like, now what would the offspring of a werewolf and half vampire, half human be? Please explain that to me. It's a, I'm imagining a were a werewolf. You know what? I bet it would look a lot like the teen wolf werewolves. More humanoid handsome glowing eyes fangs just so insane like my point was that billy was completely off because there's no way that this could be good for passing on the werewolf gene yeah i think they negate each other if if they were to have a kid it would be just a normal kid <laughs> i hate that we have to talk about this about a three minute old baby fresh fetus still still dripping out of the womb Literally. Uh, we can hit my notes. Do you have any other thoughts on what happened throughout the chapter? Yes. I also, there were so many things going on. Not so many things. There was one major thing going on in this chapter that sort of surpassed all other things. I do not want to breeze over the fact that Bella got her fucking spine shattered, bro. Like, that's intense. And I was correct in predicting that she was going to break a bone. She did. Kind of the most important one. She broke a lot of bones. I was a little confused by that, honestly, because she does reach for and hold Renesmee, so maybe it just affected her lower body? That sounds right. I could see that. And I mean, like, if you think about the part of the body, at least the spine, that might be the most affected through pregnancy, it would probably be the lower spine. Um, so that's I think the parts that are more in charge, like at that area of your spine holds the nervous system. I'm sure that communicates with your legs. Gotcha. Okay. Still though, still, I'm sure it doesn't feel good to have your spine snapped. <laughs> I do kind of like, I mean, Jacob has a point when he's like, she won't feel anything now. <laughs> I guess, but at what, what cost? <laughs> Truly. Do so if Bella's I'm assume I'm assuming she's gonna be successfully turned into a vampire since the next chapter starts Bella. Um Well, the end of this I know it was breezed past because of what came before it, but the end of this chapter is Jacob hearing another heartbeat. That could only be Bella. So we assume she's back up and running. Back to life? Like like back as a human? Something's happened. She's not dead. I just figured if she was going to get turned into a vampire, her, her heart wouldn't beat. I don't know how to respond to that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's my prerogative. <laughs> 
I don't even remember the point that I was making about this, so I guess we can continue. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. I'm sure I'm sure it wasn't. Oh, no, I remember. I remember. Okay. So, if assuming that she gets maybe turned into a vampire, so all of her injuries would heal then? So her spine wouldn't be broken? She would be back to normal? I think that's what we're meant to assume, because if you remember, Esme jumped off a cliff and was taken to the morgue. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe maybe she'll return back to normal bone formation. We'll see. We will see. What else? I loved the titty bite. That was cute. Um, <laughs> for a moment, I thought that maybe Renesme would be the one that turned Bella, and it would be like, like, oh, Jake or uh, Edward didn't have to do it. Like her baby did it. So it's, you know, like no one has to be tainted or anything like that. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, didn't like the imagery of Edward slicing into her placenta. That was gross. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm sad that no one else got to witness this. I feel like we're missing so many Cullens right now. That's kind of a bummer. They're going to show up and be like, oh, no. Because, like, Edward's got to know. Edward's got to know. I mean, I'm sure he's distracted right now. But if you've imprinted on someone, there's no way you're not thinking about that. So Edward's got to know. So is he going to tell Bella? Is he going to keep that a secret? These are these are all good questions that are that will probably be brought up in future chapters. Yes, I agree. Okay, I think those are all my thoughts right now. If anything else comes up, I'll let you know. Okay. I do it's so convenient. It's so like fucking inconvenient but convenient that Carlisle's not there, so they have to do it themselves. It's like clown behavior. It's just like horror movies where they like go and look for the killer instead of just, like, getting the hell out of town. I'm also, like, I know that he he left to get Bella more blood to be safe, but, like, you're really cutting it close with the times that you're leaving. Like, this this whole pregnancy has been a question mark. So if you knew she was pretty close, maybe keep, maybe keep the medical professional around and I'm sure they could pay someone, someone, they have enough money to pay someone with the credentials to go get them some blood. They gotta. No questions asked. They have enough money to have it mail freaking Amazon dropped at their front door. I fully agree. So I do agree. It is clown behavior. <laughs> I had just a couple of other notes. Um it's way at the beginning, but when Jacob has that line about, like, he had always pictured her naked, and now he's like, oh, this is horrible. Like, that was just very visceral to me that, like, can you imagine? Yeah, it's frightening. Frightening. Also, with the fancy term that you used where she screams and pops her blood vessels, like, sis, you're not helping anybody. Like, can you just leave it to the people who are not having a bone broken every two seconds? Yeah. Yeah, it's she's only she's only hurting herself in this situation. Um next note I had was I'm glad Jacob was there because Rosalie lost her shit, which 
who among us hasn't had a moment of weakness. Alice was clearly not up for the job because she ran out of there too. So I don't know what the fuck they would have done if Jacob wasn't there. That is very valid. Like, obviously Edward was keeping her alive in his own way. Like, if he had set her down, she could have easily choked since she was throwing up all the time. Um, so, like, yeah, if if Jacob wasn't there, this would have ended very, very differently. Yes. While we're on the subject, I just want to circle back <laughs> to when Edward says, take the baby, and Jacob says, throw it out the window. <laughs> Letting the intrusive thoughts win. Like, imagine if he had somehow gotten away with that, never knowing that he was supposed to imprint on it. Oh, he he imprints as the baby is careening down, makes eye contact. That would be bad. <laughs> careening down. I This is my level of toxicity, is that if I somehow knew about that, like, I'm sure Alice heard him say that because she's in the vicinity. Like, when they were older, I'd be like, did you know Jacob wanted to throw you out the window? <laughs> <sighs> well, I yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's, it's fun romantic stories to tell at the wedding. <laughs> okay, the last note I had was... And this can be a conversation for another day, too, when you've digested more. But I am very uncomfortable about how imprinting is described in the first person. It's very toxic to me. Shocker. The queen of toxic relationships, Stephanie Meyer. That he describes it as, like, he's completely losing his identity and everything that makes him him. Like, did she think that was romantic? Because it ain't landing for me. And it didn't back then either. What's even more toxic to me about it, we talked about this several chapters ago, that it's not a two-sided street. It's a one-sided street. He has imprinted on her. And the the partners of those who have been, who are the imprintees, they don't, they don't have that same thing they're not werewolves they don't have this interesting ability about them so for him to snap to cut all of the balloon strings off of everyone else and only focus on this one person who first of all is a soft spot headed baby second of all like didn't ask for it like what if she doesn't like him it's it's very weird it's very weird. It's very toxic. I feel like they should literally pull that paragraph out and like put it in self-help books about how to recognize if you're in a toxic relationship. Also, all laughs aside, I do think there's something very like sinister about this person of color, like his identity literally being literally being whitewashed because as we've discussed before, like Stephanie describes the vampires as white, even the one black vampire she introduced us to even he was described as like having a white overtone to his dark undertones like that's just very fucked up that's completely valid i feel one of the things that that he verbatim mentions that he's removing from his from himself from his focus is his family his brothers and that's a huge part of his identity is his culture his family his heritage just erased no longer a thing like that's cool 
that's cool. Let's totally erase who this person is completely and implant them into this thing that doesn't need to happen. Malcolm just went, <laughs> like, he's mad about it. I agree, Malcolm. The, the fact that she used the word snip, 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 this bitch was not even trying to, like, hide her white supremacist values. Like, come on now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Better word choice, Stephanie. Be- Honestly, better content choice. I was going to say, just don't do that at all. <laughs> Tina's having a, a, a visceral reaction to this information. It's definitely not from me holding her like a baby. It is from how upset she is about the content. She can... <laughs> she can feel how upset you are about the content. It's true. Wait, oh these cats are rioting. We've, we're losing control of the episode. <laughs> okay, so this will be out the 25th, and then we will not have a new episode out next week, the November 1st. We are taking that week to watch the uh, um, Breaking Dawn Part 1 with our donors and patrons. We will be back November 8th with the first Two chapters of the new section, which are chapters 19 and 20. They are called Burning and New. Well, I think Burning is going to talk about the transformation process. I think that this is going to be a very detailed description of Bella's physical pain that she's in. Because it's been mentioned many times of like when Bella got bitten in Twilight and when Carlisle was turned and when Edward that they've all expressed this like fiery pain. Oh, and Brie Larson, too. Um, Brie Larson. Not Brie Larson. <laughs> Is that someone we went to school with? <laughs> no, I think it's an actress that's an Avenger. Oh, I guess Brie Tanner. I guess that name is just in the zeitgeist of my brain. I guess so. Well, Brie Larson, sorry. Um, anyways, Brie Tanner also described it as being fiery pain. So that I feel like that can't be anything but the transformation process. New, Bella's new life as a vampire. New feelings, new powers, new strengths, new hungers, new thirsts. That was the perfect way to wrap up that sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Lord. Thank you guys for tuning in to this clownery Paige is officially allowed back on twilight talk because there's really i mean there's there's plot ahead but i don't really see that much there's some memes about it but it's i would say the whole renesme thing is definitely the most memed about thing so i'm releasing you back into the internet i feel like i've seen a clip of what's his nuts arrow going isabella and I feel like we haven't seen that yet. I don't know. Maybe we have. I can't remember. <laughs> I guess we'll find out in book three of Breaking Dawn. In the meantime, we hope that you will enjoy your next week and I guess two weeks. Yeah. And um, please hit us up on social media. It's been quiet. I know. I know it's been busy for people, but we want to hear your condolences for Paige. Your nice words. Please comfort her in this these trying times. Um, you can contact us on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. You can find us on Twitter at Taft Pod. You can send us an email, which we always love, at Tuesdays Are for Twilight at gmail.com. 
And if you're looking to get a last minute donation in so that you can watch Breaking Down Part 1 with us tonight, the 25th of October, um, you can either support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight, or you can donate to the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. You can find all that information and donate at mthg.org, and we will accept proof of donation as you also being invited to the watch party. All right. I, I hate to ask this of you. <laughs> Do you have anything for the listeners? I have nine things to say. Nine words. Nine, nine things that are going to come out of my mouth. Let babies be babies, semicolon. Leave babies alone, period. A little too on the nose. <laughs> silence. <laughs> that was our moment of silence for what was lost today. <laughs> so We'll see you in two weeks for chapters 19 and 20 of Breaking Dawn. Bye. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs>